It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. No, no, it's fine. I've had it waxed. And a big shout-out to Alan Bertram, 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 who won the Radio Flange Goblet's Marrow Growers Festival last week at one of our road shows in a damn field in Stoke. I was the guy, if you were there, who was dressed entirely in blancmange. My wife had discovered those letters from the podiatrist again and took the whole thing out of context. Alan went on to dance the night away with the Miss Nipples of Droitwich, who was only there as she had won too many glasses of Leapfrau Melch and had staggered into the field by mistake after a rather entertaining hit-and-run incident on the motorway. The correct authorities, the Clay City Dollars, uh, Stoke's foremost Bay City Rollers imitation band, were called, and the whole thing became a bit of a bash. I forget most of it, but I could have sworn there was a moment when some accountants made an animal pyramid out of some dwarf ponies and a hedgehog. But again, I did have rather a lot of punch, and by punch I do mean heroin. Anyway, let's get on with it, shall we? We can't stand around all day talking about how I choose to worship the Lord or what kind of underpants I had for breakfast. <clears throat> it's time for the After Movie Diner, which this week comes from Marie and Juan's Nets, a delightful fishing-based establishment where the catch of the day is normally Marita Pring, the highly buxom and moderately accommodating lounge singer who's pretty good on the high notes, but don't ask for any Neil Sedaka or she'll cut a bitch. <clears throat> No, I'm sorry. I lunched with Ed Miliband today and it just won't stop doing that. Well, you would, wouldn't you? And welcome to yet another episode of the After Movie Diner. And we'll be getting right down to it like a bunch of ravenous animals just as soon as I've read out these announcements. <clears throat> First up, you will be able to hear me, that's me, uh, on the Hold the Mayo podcast, a fantastic show hosted by Jay Mayo. <clears throat> see, see what he did there. Anyway, uh, the uh, podcast, Hold the Mayo podcast, is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and you can even follow him on Twitter at Hold the Mayo Pod. Uh, so please do listen to that. Jay gives a fantastic uh, interview, does a fantastic show. Uh, I do suggest you all listen to that. Uh, uh, sometime uh, co-host of the diner and, and certainly a fan favorite here, uh, Matt Farley uh, behind Moton Media. He has been on the Holder Mayo podcast. Fascinating and fantastic episode. Do check that one out. And I am appearing on it this week. In fact, it will be out the same time as this show. Uh, so once you've done listening to this, then you want more of me, because who wouldn't want more of me? Go over to Hold the Mayo Pod at uh, Hold the Mayo Pod on Twitter uh, or, or Hold the Mayo uh, Podcast dot uh, com or iTunes, uh, uh, Hold the Mayo uh, Podcast, Spreaker and Stitcher and SoundCloud and so on. Uh, three cheers to Jay Mayo for doing a fantastic show. Thank you, Jay. It was my pleasure to be on. Um, and then also, uh, over this last weekend, me, that's me again, uh, I did an album. That's right, a 10-song album from blank page to finished product in under 48 hours. I had no ideas, 
No pre-thoughts, no songs, no lyrics, no nothing. Written down, just 10 tracks in under 48 hours. It's now available on SoundCloud and iTunes and Google Play and will be on Spotify and Amazon and all those good places. It's called The Weekend Album by Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures and you'll be hearing a track off that album at the end of this show. Uh, Please do track it down (laughs) and have a listen. Uh, Also available on Bandcamp, that's iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Vandalism, uh, uh, Google Play. Oh, just miscellaneous plumbing fixtures, the weekend album, look it up, for goodness sake. Christ. And uh, lastly, uh, because Robert Long is such a fan of the mail jingle, uh, he wrote us an email this week just so that he could hear this song. Here comes the postman, I wonder what he has for me. Is there something in his big brown sack? I wonder what could it be? Well, I hope the bills it lacks and instead brings me some list of feedback. Or maybe, just maybe, a big bag of crack. Oh, here comes the postman, I wonder what he has for me. And so that I would have to read this email out. Dear After Movie Diner, just a line to congratulate you for making over 150 wonderful episodes. Well, thank you, Robert. Thank you for so many hours of quality entertainment. Also, congrats to your creator, John Cross, for his recent employment. Um, that's that's me. Thank you very much, Robert. Uh, may all of us enjoy many more years of this wonderful show. Well, uh, yes, may you all enjoy uh, several more years of this wonderful show. Um, I have no plans to end it anytime soon. So yes, you will most likely continue to enjoy this show. um, And uh, I will continue to put it out, um, whether I enjoy it or not. Okay, so I think that's just about covered it all. Let me have a look. Oh, no, wait a minute. He's dead. Oh, and that's not till next month. Okay, so, uh, yes, that's everything. Well, I guess uh, we roll the trailer for the film and then get right on down to talking about it. Okay, roll trailer. <laughs> now he does this every week. Anything can happen when you're alone in the dark. Are you afraid of the dark? Sometimes. <laughs> sort of fun. When I was a little kid, I was scared to death to be alone in the dark. I always knew that there was something that I couldn't see that wanted to get me. I know that we're all a little on edge here tonight, but let's take it easy, okay? I mean, this is an old house. There are all kinds of sounds.
starring Jack Palance, Donald Pleasance, Martin Landau, Dwight Schultz, Erland Van Lith. Alone in the Dark, from New Line Cinema. Um, I'm going to have the um, Honey West Bison burger. Honey West Bison? Uh, well done. Deluxe? No, just on the time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to have the spaghetti bolognese, please. Sure. You like soup or salad? Uh, salad, please, with dressing. ranch dressing. Ranch? Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. So, hi. Uh, here we are, and welcome to yet another episode of the After Movie Diner. And uh, we are uh, here in the green kitchen on the Upper East Side, um, having just seen uh, Alone in the Dark. Is that what it's called? Alone in the Dark. Alone yes. in the Dark, featuring Jack Palance, Martin Landau, Donald Pleasance, and Dwight Schultz, which is quite a roster. That is quite a cast. Um, and, uh, they weren't going for the lookers. No, but they were going for the actors. They were going for they, the actors. They, yeah. Each one of them knock it out of the park. But um, before we go on to that, so yeah, so we watched it uh, round at uh, uh, my colleague, who always joins me here in the diner, as well regular listeners will know. Uh, the wonderful, wonderful, and wonderful uh, James Wallace. Hello. Hello, sir. Lovely to be here. Uh, and thank you so much for giving up your apartment and your wonderful television to allow us to watch this movie. It was tonight. my pleasure. It, it was. My pleasure. We had the wife's away. Yeah. We had Rolos, M and M's, and popcorn. It was. It was delicious. And caramel eggs. Caramel eggs. Which I didn't notice. Popcorn. I had a strand of caramel hanging from my chin for a good ten minutes. It was. It was awesome. I quite liked it. It was like a very, very, very thin, <laughs> low pan beard. <laughs> <laughs> from Big Trouble in Little yeah. China. It was, it was classy. And I was put on this earth to get it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yes, Alone in the Dark. Uh, this was one I picked up oh, a while ago now at one of those, oh, it's on sale kind <laughs> of uh, video shops closing down type job. Long time ago. I don't know when I picked this up. But so this is, this is in fact a powerful moment because... There are so many DVDs in your collection yeah. that remain pure potential. Oh, pure potential. Pure potential. Uh, in fact, uh, listeners, you'll be glad to know that recently I was reorganizing my collection, or indeed the amount of my collection that I have currently in my new apartment, and because uh, I don't have the full collection there, I just have the, 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 the majority of it. Uh, and I've been reorganizing them recently, and uh, there is so much potential in that collection that, uh, well, I could do the show for another five years. <laughs> uh, I won't tell you how many DVDs I unwrapped. I felt rather bad about it. I think it's because when you... Oh, wow, right, they were still in the plastic yeah, casing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favourite things to do as soon as I buy a DVD, is to take the plastic casing off. I don't know why. No, no. To remove all the stickers, it's because... take off the casing, and then it's, it's a complete thing. I don't have to watch it. Right. But that's when it becomes complete. There was a bike with oh, one of those strobe lights. So, um, well, we're doing something a little bit. Di- well, I guess we're doing like what we did last time. Like, we do try and go to the movies if there's something on. There's been nothing on. But we were hoping for the John Cusack a Jackie Dragon's Chan. Blade. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's what we're looking um, forward to. Thank you. We look for like weird and unusual um, things to go watch in the cinema. I mean, there've been exceptions. We went and saw Calvary and Pacific Rim and whatnot. But generally speaking, we like it to star Nicolas Cage or Christian Slater or somebody peculiar um, right. in a low budget weird movie because that's it's fun to watch those and in the I cinema. couldn't believe my luck that Cusack Brody and Chan 
right there. Which, by the way, it's been like the biggest hit in China. It made like 55 million on its opening weekend in China. We, so we have to go and watch it. So it will be coming out at some point, and when it does, we'll watch it. And what's really funny is there's two ver- there's a there's a, a trailer that's been released online that's been actually very popular because I think a lot of the like geek bloggers have been sharing it around, going, "Just what is this madness?" Right. Um, and and the other video they've released, the the the, the uh, uh, Chinese production house has released is one of Chan, like, singing a jolly folk song backed by, like, people on mad Chinese instruments. So, I mean, it could it could have full potential. Also, have you seen the uh, the trailer for um, uh, um, Nicolas Cage as a Crusader Knight, uh, with, starting with Hayden Christensen in, like, some bonkers... Like the Crusader has to go to Asia movie. Have you seen the trailer for this? And at one point he goes, "I am the White Dragon." Like like, (laughs) he does, he does Walken, Shatner, and Cage all in one sentence. It's unbelievable. We have to go see that, and we have to go see it. And I forget what it's called, but the only thing that spoils it for me is Christensen. Like put anyone else in there, but Hayden Christensen because he's blander than he's. He's almost Blucus in his in his blandness. No, 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 he is. He is almost. No, Blucus. because Blucus is kind of like. <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone remember our Blucus rants? I don't know if they do. <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway. The only the only thing that might spoil that is it doesn't get released in the cinema. Right. So we must keep an eye open for it, so it doesn't it doesn't pass us by. But if it doesn't get released in the cinema, we'll watch it on demand and do it anyway. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, that'd because be fun. that has to be one that we do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm more, I'm more than happy with that. Because that's a bonkers should have been in the cinema thing. Well, that is fun. I just I just don't know what's happened. Like since before Christmas, I think Birdman was the last movie that came out in the states that I was really interested in. Bear in mind, I saw Kingsman early on a previous. Oh yeah, screen. yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Otherwise, I would be all about. Yeah, that's Kingsman true. Right I keep now. walking past the cinema and go, "Wow, there's really nothing there's on." There's nothing on. It's like Paddington. There's been nothing on since American Sniper. I couldn't. I could give less of a shit about American Sniper because what he I shot to... some people from really far away. Right, and he shot children. I don't know why everyone else is so shocked by this revelation. Is that bit in Lethal Weapon where Riggs talks about there's only about six people in the world that could have made that shot? That's all I need to know about sniping. Right, right, right there. Right. Like all there is that, that's interesting or. You know, compelling is in that moment, and that's it. I right. don't need to well, see we a whole movie. But normally, what I do on Christmas Day, for example, is I go in the movies. I buy like three or four tickets for different movies, and I just go from one screen to the next, having an incredibly cozy time. Right. Right. Lots of munchies, smuggling some tea, have right. a nice time. Love so it. this year, I looked at the lineup, and I was like. I can't. There's nothing. There's there's really nothing on. Even if I went and saw stuff I'm not interested in, there's just really nothing I'm interested in. Yeah. So I ended up going to my friend Doug's place and getting bitten by a dog. But <laughs> bitten by a dog, not bitten by a dog. No, bitten by a dog right. at Doug's place. Bit, bitten by a dog. I at was bitten by a dog at all. Doug's place. Bitten by a dog at all. Doug's place. Yeah. So in in light of that, we, as you said, we uh, looked for the potential in my collection. Uh, I went through a few that I thought would be suitably bonkers. I would like to see Fortress because... Yeah. Oh, do you know this? Because Christopher Lambert is like a bad tooth. Do you know those two things? It's hilarious. Looking through my collection, 
there's Fortress with Christopher Lambert, right? Which was a relatively well-known video rental when it came out. Yeah. And it's made by Stuart Gordon and it has Jeffrey Combs, who's obviously from Reanimator and a lot of Gordon's work. Not the only Crazy Man Escapes from Space Prison movie that Combs is in, because he's in another movie called Spoiler, which has Rip Kicker and notorious bad actor Gary Daniels as the lead role, which Combs is also in. So, a double bill, maybe, of Escape from Space Prison movies. We could do a triple bill and do Lockout, but that's always a bit much for us. I think a double bill might I be I think fun. a double bill could do it. Tri- also, I don't think I can ever watch Lockout again, because it was so disappointing. It was right, so right, right. nearly Pierce. Right, right, right. I really, really like Pierce, and I really like movies set in space, and I really like prison movies, and I really like movies produced by Luke Besson. All of these things should have gone together and made a film I was so looking forward to seeing, and I still have no idea how they let the two people that wrote and directed that film write and direct fucking anything right they couldn't do either so why would they let them do both <laughs> do you know what I mean no. anyway but, 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 but I'm, I'm, I think Alone in the Dark was a, was a good choice because it was, it was a deeply deeply weird movie well I only had to tell you that it had Donald Pleasant's Martin Landau and Jack Palance in it and I think you were hooked yeah absolutely I was hooked and I would have to say not one of those men disappointed no. They all gave me exactly what I wanted. In fact, slightly more. Right. Than you were expecting. Yeah. Palance was unusually deep and emotional in certain Yes, moments. he was. And Landau was unusually... Unhinged. Unhinged. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's normally like on the edge of... <laughs> on the edge of hinged. You, you know always I mean? worry that Landau is about to go full... Fully unhinged. Fully unhinged. You know, but he's always like the quiet... Well, you know what? There's, why don't we do a brief... Do like, the synopsis, Chief. It's, it's all your plot recap. Okay, your... so it's it's very simple, really. Right. There's a um, lunatic asylum in upstate somewhere. Right. It's sort of autumnal. Upstate, upstate New York, I upstate think. Upstate New York, uh, possibly they, cause Connecticut. Because I think, yeah. So it's, anyway, it's... It's very leafy and autumnal. And, and peaceful. And uh, the new... No, definitely New england I think they refer to one of the New York hospitals that... Dwight Shorter's character has come from. That's why I thought upstate. Right, except that the other guy went to Philly. So I don't know, but anyway. anyway. Right, right, right. So the story is basically it's a lunatic asylum in this, you know, upstate. But it's suburbs. like a cosy liberal mollycoddle. Right, so it's of. run by Dwight Shorter's the new doctor, and he turns up at lunatic asylum. And the lunatic asylum is run by a, well, a hippie, basically, who doesn't like to refer to the. Um, the lunatics as lunatics or psychopaths or anything he calls them voyagers they're all on their own voyage and he's worked very hard to get these people out of you know maximum security facilities into a more you know welcoming nurturing environment and there's four really bad people they're he's, all he's like the antithesis of Dr Loomis because this is played by Donald Pleasant yeah that's right yeah so doc, yeah, the, the, Dr the anti Loomis is all about lock them up throw away the key there's right. no reaching them well Michael in particular so, there's four psychopaths, they're all on the, on the third floor, and they're all kept behind electric doors. Right. As soon as you find out that, oh yes, the whole system is powered by electricity, so the power goes out, they all escape, and uh, the four of them have it in their head that, uh, or rather, Jack Plants, really. Well, Jack Plants is... Because I, I, I have some interesting things. Yeah, he's basically... 
paranoid he's, schizophrenic. He's a paranoid schizophrenic, but he's very charismatic, and he uh, is, you know, he's driven by the idea of like wrong and right, and, and the idea of having a mission. Seemingly, he's he's been cut adrift since the war, and so he tends to his paranoid delusions tend to focus on some mission that he needs to complete. And in this case, it's take revenge on this new doctor, Dwight Schultz, for killing the old doctor. Even though he didn't. So, the four of them proceed Dwight to... Dwight Schultz did not kill the other No, he didn't. Right. But the, the, they proceed to tool up and go after the doctor. Right. And that's the story. Thank you very much. That was delicious. Thank you. Oh, hang on. Lovely jubbly. Oh, that looks great, mate. Thank Which you so much. Right here. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you Cheers, so man. Look at the size of that. Yeah, look at my cheese and hamburger. I'll be taking half of this home. I'll tell you that much right now. Mm. Binky. Right, go ahead. Um, well. Well, yeah, so anyway, I'll so take over. Is, you that is start. basically the pot. Right, so yeah, they, they, they tool up and go after him. Um, meanwhile, the town is being, like, looted and pillaged because there's a blackout. That's the thing it didn't make. But the whole movie, here's the thing, right? It's a deeply strange movie, mostly in terms of tone. Right. There's no feeling that things happen at weird moments. Like, things either take longer than you think they will. Right. Or they're much, much shorter. So when the blackout happens, you assume, especially like there's looting and there's pillaging and there's anarchy, you assume, oh, right, whatever's going to happen in this movie is going to take place tonight. It's right. all alone in the dark. They've just escaped from prison. There's been a blackout. Everyone's a blackout. going crazy. This is when you think it's going to happen. Right. And yet, right after they tool up in this mall that like after an hour of a blackout that has been torn to pieces yeah it, literally this strip mall has been demolished oh. within five minutes by people what and seemingly looting uh, cardboard stage props because at one point a man runs by with some painted cardboard trees and a sunflower for reasons known only to it, it's almost like he ran into a shop there was literally nothing left no well, that, TVs a- no clothes no nothing and he just went oh, I'll take the sunflower you know there's a lot of references in the movie to, like, everyday madnesses. Like, I think there's this idea, there's a certain sympathy, and this is what I wanted to get to. The movie has actually, I think, a lot of sympathy for Pleasance's point of view. Right. Because I think he helped all of the mad people, except for, well, to a certain extent, actually, he helped all of the mad people except for Landau who right at the beginning there's a dream sequence because the whole movie opens up with an incredibly peculiar dream sequence it's very yeah, one cool. of the best opening shots of the movie ever yeah, 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 yeah. which is a proper old school chrome diner in the snow called Moms and uh, um, with Landau in like a proper old suit coat and hat shuffling towards the diner great and he walks into the diner and the whole thing's very strange and full of religious imagery. Like, he asks for the usual, he gets served this big fish. Pleasance is working this kitchen that's like hell, basically, it's in flames. Ple- Pleasance wearing like one of those old 50s but you know what was cool? uh, paper hats. But no, you, know? you know what was cool? When it, when it first happened, there was like this a twangy country music in the background. Right. And then Pleasance starts to speak, but you don't see his character. And I don't know about you, but for the first 10 seconds, I thought it was Johnny Cash. Oh, really? Yeah, because of the way that the Pleasance was speaking in this right. really deep, and it was, you know, religious verse, and it was like twangy country music. And I thought it was like a Johnny Cash song or something. Right. But it wasn't, it was Pleasance. 
and anyway it's all like deeply beginning weird but it ends with Pleasant's um, the nightmare ends with Pleasant's chopping him in half right String, stringing him up and chopping him in half and later on in the movie when Landau's going all peculiar um, Pleasant calms him down by whispering something in his ear and the new doctor says um, hey you know how did you how did you get him to calm down he says I told him that I would string him up and chop him in half and there's a bit of amb- ambiguity there it's like well does he dream about it because because Pleasant has threatened this before right or does Pleasant threaten it because he knows that Landau dreams about it right the, the, okay and when Landau goes after Pleasant, he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So there's an idea of him taking revenge for being sliced in half all those for times. For being sliced in half all those right. times. What's, okay. At its core, at its core, the movie is set up and to some extent plays out in terms of actions like a slasher movie and instead of there being a Jason or a Michael Myers or a Freddy or whatever it's these three or four isn't that like quite common in like late 70s early 80s there's there's lots of movies where men a man or men escape from lunatic asylum and cause havoc well I mean you know the, what I mean? The key one that this obviously because of Pleasance is in it. The key one that this brings to mind is always Halloween, right? Because of course there's that great asylum sequence at the beginning with them all shuffling out on the lawn and all that. Uh, and like I say, Luke, you know, Loomis is the psychiatrist, like on the tail of, of or on the trail rather of Michael. Um, there is the sun that, the, sorry, the town that dreaded sundown. It's a horribly uneven movie, um, which I believe was a TV movie that has like on one hand this kind of Sergeant Bilko slapstick cop and on the other hand like really crazy slasher sequences it doesn't fit at all really um, and that's like an escape lunatic who wears like a bag on his head it's where um, Jason gets his look from in, in part two when he's wearing like the bag. I just I always had the impression that, but, that there was a popular like grindhouse genre of escaped men from lunatic asylum um yeah, it crops up from time to time, but I can't think of many off the top of my head no, in terms of like maybe iconic. Just, maybe you may be right. Maybe it's just like single killer. Maybe it's just a thing. But what I'm saying is, <coughs> sorry, it takes a slasher premise, right? And certainly the kills are very set up like like a slasher thing, with a few being jump cuts and a few just being there's someone I want to kill. I'm going to go kill them. Um, but it's done. I, I guess it's a, it's an attempt to do a slasher, but in a more sort of realistic way. Yeah. But something happened, and I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it's in the scripting, where they thought, you know what, we would never make this fly if we tried to explain everything. So let's script this, leaving huge fucking chunks out of it, because... You know, it's a horror movie, and we just want them to get out of prison, uh, out of the, the asylum, and we just want them to go kill people and blah blah blah. There are like huge swathes of time. But yeah, time, okay, well, whatever. Or uh, they made a more uh, uh, in-depth movie, and and, cut and Robert Shea looked at it and went, "Nah, we need this pacey as fuck. We need to get get this it does out, get drag this out, get this out." Well, what what's so annoying? The thing that was frustrating me watching it is when the because the escape criminals are Landau and Palance, and even like the big fat lumbering molester guy is like kind of 
uh, uh, fun to watch in a, in a sort of oh it's bon- it's bonkers people on the loose at one point when they're driving around in the panel van it's almost like the movie Dream Team but the fact that they're all so actually psychotic as opposed to like wacky crazy people so there was a moment where they were driving they were chasing a postman on a bike where it was literally like because in Dream Team you have like Stephen First is like the fat almost monosyllabic where he only talks oh, yeah. in baseball terms and they've got Keaton, who's like the wiry-haired madman. And then you've got like the, the older uh, who was one, in the army, wasn't played Keaton by in the army well, That's his lie. All oh, right. And then you have Christopher Lloyd, who's like. And if you looked at like Palance, Landau, and, and, and uh, the fat guy, it's like for, there and was boy, like, like a preacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was kind of like Dream Team. So there was a moment there where it's like Dream Team, but uh, uh, like with actual stakes, you know. Um. That I was quite enjoying it, but in order to sort of uh, uh, establish essentially who's going to end up trapped in the house, the, 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 the um, Dwight Schultz's wife and his little daughter and the babysitter and all these characters that are kind of going to come into play in the third act. Um, and the sister, his sister shows up who's a bit, who's, a bit, uh, who's had a breakdown and is a bit like uh, left-wing and uh, revolutionary, reactionary. Uh, to establish all this just as you're kind of enjoying and maybe enjoying is the wrong word but just as you're kind of getting into the oh my god like they're killing people in really fun crazy ways it immediately then cuts back to like a breakfast scene or to like an afternoon scene or whatever and it just doesn't because it's not done artfully enough it's just a little sort of jarring and a little like oh okay we've got to sit through this uh, and, and thinking back on it, it there wasn't nearly despite the fact that it goes Palance Pleasance um, Landau like on the on the cast at the, at the beginning right there's hardly any Palance in but it. that's contract that's just like he's the biggest name in it at that time no no I, I understand what you're saying but he's also like even just for his character he's hardly in the movie right but again like considering you have Pleasance Palance and Landau they were all in it far more than I thought they would be. So while I do agree with you... Oh, yes, I suppose so. Yeah. His most notable absence is during the final siege. Because yeah. basically the movie breaks down as this. It ends up with the Doctor and everybody all trapped in their big New England home, basically being set upon in various different ways uh, by a unseen uh, Landau, Palance and... Um, a fat guy. Yeah, a fat guy. Whatever his name was. He was never given a name. Um, and, you know, it plays out a, a bit straw dogsy at a certain point. Yeah. Where Dwight Schultz has to kind of take back the night, as it were. Because it means you don't have to have Palance on set. You can just have crossbows being fired into the windows. You don't actually have to see Palance no, do it. Point, yeah. And even Lando doesn't come shuffling out until the very end. Um, so, they... The best thing you can say for it is that they used their star power judiciously. They're in it just enough. Yeah, okay. Considering they probably only had them on set for like three or four days, if that. Like the thing I found incredible was like when Pleasance did all his Halloween movies, he's on set for maybe two or three days, each of those movies. Yet he is, especially in the first one, he seems to be throughout the movie. Like Loomis, by the time you get to the fourth one, is like a main character. But he still only did two or three days on set. So that's what I mean. Is like yeah, yeah. they're showing up for nothing. Like I think um, Pleasant's made like twenty grand or something for Halloween. Like he really, in terms of acting, he's not making anything. But he's only doing two or three days' work. 
but if you're a good director or you're a good whatever, you put him throughout the movie so that it seems like he is a recurring character. You know? Now, Halloween is decidedly helped by Laurie Strode being an actual, you know, enigmatic or, or charismatic figure that you want to follow and you care for and you, you know, you want her to survive. So therefore, while you're watching her being terrorized by Michael, you're not going, well, where's Dr. Loomis? Because you're just engrossed in what she's doing. But the problem with this is, the moment it cuts to, because Dwight Schultz isn't around that much either. There's a whole swathe where he's at the lunatic asylum cleaning oh, yeah. up the next morning, and it's just the babysitter and the wife and all the rest of it. And while the actresses are fine, you you don't care because you have you were like, where's Palance, right? So every time it cuts back to them, there's naturally a lag because there isn't the there's like a charisma vacuum, like immediately but there was a weird not thing as entertaining with the mood as well. There was a weird thing where. <clears throat> You'd be getting a bit bored, or at least I was. I was getting, I'd, I'd be getting a bit bored after like 10, 15 minutes because like nothing would really be happening. And then something like indescribably, indescribably menacing would happen. Right. You know, and freaky and like, oh wow, this is such a weird, like we, we were watching it, both of us, for the first 45 minutes. Every now and again, this is so weird. Right. And know? I'll tell you why, it's because it's both conventional and plays with conventions. Yeah. No, that's I say. Well, Which I don't know, by the way, I don't know if that's someone genuinely playing with conventions of slash films, horror films, blah, 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 blah. Or if it's just someone who's slightly inept and therefore is doing it the way he's doing it. No, no. And this it, is the point I wanted sorry. to come back to with the script. Was chunks taken out of the script? Or oh, sorry, was the script written in, uh, intentionally vague, or was chunks taken out later during editing? I don't know, but I will say, I think it's deliberate because there was a running gag, almost like predating Scream. Right. Of the only one that knew what to do was the little girl. And she right. kept making like smart Alec comments and wise crack. Like the, the wise cracking character was the daughter, and then right at the end, when one of the characters is being strangled by one of the killers, and like. Dwight was just like trying to pull him off her. Um, and me and Crossy go, just hit him over the head, hit him over the head, stab him. And then the character that holds up a knife and hands it to the to the mother to like just use the goddamn knife right. was the little girl. Right. So I think there was a deliberate playing with the idea of conventions that there's only one person right. who knew what was going on. And also, on let's be do. fair, it's, this is produced by uh, Robert Shea, who ran New Line. Um, and, and obviously New Line made its name on the back of 80s horrors, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, they bought Evil Dead for distribution, various other things. So, um, you know, now they're known for like The Hobbit and the, the Lord of the Rings movies, because obviously that's their big success now. But back in the day, it was Freddy and then later Jason. Um, and so, you know, and also I've got a feeling the little kid was his daughter. I've got a feeling she was. So there may be like a big hand in Shea going, yeah, give her that line, you know. No, I don't think, no, there was a very, she, she had she had all the wisecracks and there was a thing, also, the thing with the knife at the end, well, it, made, it made the, me think they knew what they were doing with the, right, with the right, conventions. Right. And also there was that cute bit where she was sat on the bed with Schultz's sister, who's a little bit crazy as we know she had a breakdown, and she's talking about how she can't be alone in the dark and, 
um, how she was worried there was stuff under the bed. And the little girl's like, what would be under the bed? Like, the little girl like, just doesn't... And it was kind of a nice switch. I see what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a nice switch that, there was the thing. I'm just that saying, she was the most clued in. Right, and I'm not saying that necessarily means, oh, what an amazing script. But in terms of answering your question, did they know that they were playing the conventions? I think, yeah, they did. But, and, I, and I think, and again, I think one of the things that I liked about it the most was, actually, I think that... Because, you know, there wasn't like... There wasn't like a cop character going, you goddamn hippie psychiatrist, you you know, you should have locked him up, blah, blah, blah. There was none of that. Although when cops did show up, they were amazing. They were amazing. They were like, all they were missing was like donuts and cups of coffee. Yeah, they were all overweight. They all had little pork pie hats on. <laughs> they all looked like they had just stepped out of a 1960s TV serial. And uh, none of them looked even vaguely bothered that no. four escaped lunatic murderers no. were somewhere in the vicinity, but they didn't know where. But this is the thing, is everyone in the town, right, or certainly... Yeah, nobody every, freaked out about everyone, it. Nobody. Nobody shows, shows, and This is where the weird mood came from. Yeah, mood, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Schultz himself knows that this guy was like a, a child. I know, boy. and he wasn't even vaguely bothered. Like, this is what I mean. There's a big sequence in the movie. Which is deeply troubling. Which is deeply troubling, where a child molester shows up, and we know he's a child molester, it's been established, he shows up at the house while Schultz's daughter is there alone, because her mum and the aunt have been uh, arrested because they were taking part in a protest against nuclear power. And then, of course, the lights go out because like the, the, the power plant shuts down or something right so like all this thing about like nuclear power and the power going out and all that that's all in there as well like it's all yeah that's true woven no, in I had I tell you what, just sorry very quick I had a very weird reaction to that scene like you think that the, the reaction you're supposed to have is women be out protesting stuff but actually my reaction was and I suspect sometimes when you have a reaction like that's the reaction they want to get from you you know what I mean and my reaction was why the, why the hell are you locking up people just for waving signs god damn it when they should right. be at home looking after their kids you know what I mean like right, that was my reaction that was my reaction right but it could have been the, I'm saying if I was like well, stroke a beard I'd be like oh this is obviously misogynistic saying that women shouldn't be fantastic but I don't think that was it no I don't like, think that but was it but it could have been you see what I'm saying like, you could have had that you could have read it from the, from the sequence but of events the, the, the difficult thing about talking about this movie is that no one has the reactions in the movie you think they should. No, that's true. When the mother is locked up and realises that her daughter, and it's never established how old she is, but let's say seven or eight. She was about, maybe younger, but seven or eight. When she finds out that she's going to be alone in the house, she doesn't panic or anything. No, she doesn't. In fact, when the guy says, oh, you can take my place, because they're all waiting in line to use the phone at the police station because they're allowed their one phone call. And when the guy goes... You can use my phone call, step in front and go use my phone call. She goes, oh, are you sure? I mean, like, if it was... Yeah, if it was, like, if it was the movie, they'd be like, they'd be freaking out. They'd be like, These, this is the, you know, the thing. This is what we're going to raise if attention with. If it was your with. mum and she was arrested and you were seven and sat at home, there was nothing a, that would stop her from getting to that but, phone. But, but, no, but it was quite a neat trick as well because it had the effect of, like, we're the only... The, we're the, we're the only ones worrying about it. Yeah. Right, right, you know right, what right, I mean? Which yeah. is quite cool. And then there was this whole sequence where you literally didn't know what had happened to the daughter. Yeah, you're you no clue. They didn't even no talk idea. about it. They even cut to like a separate... The babysitter comes in. It's like yeah. a weird thing where the babysitter comes in and the house is empty and you're thinking, oh, God, are they waiting for the babysitter? Is the kid dead? What's the babysitter going to find? Babysitter finds nothing except the girl asleep on the bed, but in a weird-looking way that you're not completely sure if she's alive or she's dead or what the fuck is. Oh, has she been molested? Right, she's right. Not, like you have no idea. No clue. So it's in your head the whole time. Right. Meanwhile, the babysitter's out. 
Um, uh, but she knows she gets a phone. She gets a phone. No, she makes a she phone makes call. She makes a phone call. And then, to get her then boyfriend it cuts over. to another character right. who comes in and the again, boyfriend. The house is empty and the babysitter's closed around. And then you go, oh God, what's the boyfriend going to find? And it's so weird because it's like now the. Well, what about the, the little girl? Is like now like behind what's happened to the babysitter. Right. Is, she, is he going to find both or one of them or what the hell is going to happen? And her and then, clothes like, are strewn about. So And the music's on. And I so thought you think, the next thing he's going to oh, find is a leg or a hat. You know, there's a group of right, right, trousers, bra, shirt, ear. Like, that's right. what I thought the natural progression was going to right, be. Right, right. But no, no. that's a, that's a, 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 a flip, a, a, what a fake out or whatever as right. well. You find her on the bed. So then they start like this, this sex scene. Halfway through, she thinks she hears a noise. She's actually quite panicked about that. Genuinely panicked, in a kind right. of a realistic way, I thought. Right. Uh, and he says something really weird. When to try and get her back in the mood, he says, "Do you want me to? Do you want me to recite the Gettysburg Address again?" Like she can only get in the mood if he recites the Gettysburg that Address. That was so weird. It was a really strange line, but I quite liked it. So he goes over to the closet. Nobody in the closet. Nobody in the closet. Right. Right. He, as he's coming back to the bed, a hand comes out from under the bed, and like almost comically pulls him like yeah, yeah, full yeah. force under the bed yeah, like you see him like that. Yeah, yeah. lying on the rug by the bed and literally sucked under as if by a supernatural force like right. there's no way you could add like if you did that in re- reality like he would bang his head or something would be moving or yeah, like struggling. Right, there's right. no way that that would ever happen in such a slick motion and at that point she's kind of like Eddie like <laughs> yeah all of a sudden you've gone from panic to oh I wonder what happened to my boyfriend who just right. disappeared and got dragged under the bed then no, a big knife blade, which we've already seen Martin Landau steal from the hunting shop earlier, starts like jabbing up through the mattress, right? So then you start to get all like panicked. And we were sat there in the apartment going, just jump off the bed and run for the door. Like when the knife comes up, right? So he's, he would be under yeah, the like bed stuck there for a long with time. his knife like up through the mattress. Once it's up through the mattress, jump over the knife and run out the door because he can only, even if he chases you, he's chasing you either without his knife or he has to retract the knife and get out. So either right. way, you can have a few seconds to run for the door and then you can shut the door. Right? Which she doesn't do for ages. And you're like, come on now. <laughs> so you're all tense about that to almost the point where you've forgotten about the door. Right. Then she runs straight out like... Stuff happens and right, right. But then, but then Next, everyone's like, "Oh, uh, we came home. She's absolutely fine. Yeah, the daughter's fine. Yeah, uh, and, and the, the babysitter's not here. She must have." At gone. what point, Dwight Schultz goes, "Oh yeah, the guy who molests kids was here, but he was really nice with her. Showed her how to make some stuff out of paper." Oh yeah, oh, it's great, lovely. delicious. It's Thank, Thank you. you I'm still, still nibbling away. Um, he goes, oh yeah, no, the molester was here, but like he didn't do anything. Like he showed her how to make something out of Actually, paper. He was really she nice. said he was very nice. Yeah. And the, and the mother's like sort of flipping out but nowhere near the flipping out that the situation demands it demands a full scale right. like level 9 freak out and then and then they go Schultz goes oh yeah they can't find the babysitter right? <laughs> I'm sure she's fine I'm sure she's fine I'm sure she's just gone over with I the mean, boyfriend there's four only, escape you know, there's only four escape murderers who've already killed who've been in this house who've been in this house where the babysitter was but is no longer right these events are probably unconnected <laughs> though right yeah. yeah another example of what you're saying like they, no one reacts the way you think they were so I think that maybe because there's an interesting thing going on with Dwight Schultz's character which only kind of struck me in the dining room table scene later on which is 
his belief structure is on trial here because he's a psychiatrist he believes that he can either subdue talk to rationalize with or figure out crazy people right Right. He doesn't agree with the wishy-washy tendencies of Donald Pleasance and thinks that there should be more, like, actual locks on the door rather than electronic. <laughs> I mean, so I, I don't want to go into that. asking to go wrong. Right. Like, I was like, lock a door maybe? And he was like, well, they're electric locks. So the moment the power goes out, and I'm like, this is New England. The power goes out, like, all the time. I don't really, like, it seemed so ridiculous to put all your money on just electricity working. Yeah. Like, have have a deadbolt. Have, it like, anything. Like, have yeah, something yeah. whereby we can lock this door so the crazies don't get out, right? Or have it that when the electricity goes out, like, everything shuts rather than Although, everything open. what I liked is that he's got his, um, the guy that guards the floor, he's got his, like, um, electric door that he presses the button and it shuts tight. And he's sitting in his office with Schultz and a knock comes on the, uh, the, the door and he just opens it and it's, and it's land down I'm thinking well what's the point in the door if all you need to do when you're a psychotic killer is knock right. and he'll open the door right you, it was just, but anyway let me finish anyway, my thoughts so uh, uh, Schultz has got this thing where right. he like and he does he tries to rationalise with him and he says look the doctor's alive please call a hospital in Philadelphia like He's got this whole thing that, that his belief structure is also, as, as well as his family being in trouble and blah, 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 his belief that he can He's somehow surprisingly, I'll tell you one thing I like. And so there's sorry. that scene around the dinner table where they start to freak out by noises, and he's like, look, if we lose it now, you know, uh, we have a real issue on our hands. Like, we have to try and stay calm. We have to understand that these are just people or whatever he said. Um, and it's both weird because normally in a horror movie you expect people to either be the heroes so they're either standing up and going I'll take this guy on or freak out right and he's kind of trying to do neither at this point um so that that's interesting but they could have established it earlier because his reactions seem too mild throughout the movie and it doesn't really hit me why until later on his reactions are mild because he thinks I can rationalize with these people. This is my training. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. I mean, what I was going to say is one of the things that I liked about his character at the end was he was genuinely... Like, it's obviously that in your normal slasher horror movie, the psychiatrist, the doctor, they're the ones that, you know, except in the case of Loomis, they're the ones that lose it. You know, they're the ones that lose their belief system and they freak out or they run or whatever. You know, it's an easy target to take the guy who's being rational and then, you know, take that away from him. Um, No, I'll be all right. Yes, please. Yeah, I was going to say, it's an easy target in the horror movies, the psychiatrist or the doctor who preaches rationality and then freaks out. Um, In this case, he does become selfless and do the things that he's supposed to do. He does... um, try and protect his family when as soon as he realises that he's the one that they want for killing the doctor he tries to reason with them and when he realises that's not going to work he decides he's going to go for the car and there's never any argument about it you know there's no like when Flanagan shows up at the end he says please don't kill my family yeah he keeps saying that he doesn't quite say 
kill me instead. But that's. The but you're right. You're, no, you're right, and that's interesting. That's an interesting choice as well because I was expecting. And he stood him. in front of his daughter the moment Palance came in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He put himself. But I was expecting that Palance line. Like I was sitting there watching the movie, having watched a million of these movies. I was expecting the line. You know, you can kill me, take me, but leave my family. You know, the right. usual kind of thing, which right. is so obviously usual, it almost loses a little bit of its power. It's a bit of an empty statement. You I know think what I mean? maybe this movie was playing with some convention. I don't think it was, because I think him saying, please don't kill my family. It's is, not wholly is, 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 is actually, but... But it, when you think about it, no, no, it's not at all, because I think, that the, I think you're right. I think looking back on it, the last 15, 20 minutes are really good. Like, no question, right. when they're in the house and they're under siege, I'm genuinely freaked out. Like, I, And there's some good sequences in it. The there whole, are, the whole Peter Falvers thing, the house right, thing, right, but one genuinely of the, unnerving. But one of the things about all those sequences where, like, you're really deeply unnerved but nothing actually happens is unlike the fake-outs of, like, oh, it's my face in the mirror, or, oh, yeah. it's a cat, when right, you right, go, right. oh, I'm expecting... In this case, it's like, really hideous things could have happened, but they didn't. Right, but that doesn't mean they're not going to. You right. know what I mean? Like just because they chose not to do it this time doesn't mean they're not going to. Choose. It's like, a good build They're up constantly attention. reminding you of how irrational these people are. They don't have a plan. They're right. just whatever is like they're going to be thinking of. So that whole thing of faking you out, actually, over the course of the movie, doesn't like uh, uh, you know have the have the effect of undercutting like later scares because oh. you're a bit bored it actually ratchets up the tension by giving you your mind a chance to you know fear what is actually coming so that that last 20 minutes works so well it's one of these movies where the last 20 minutes works so well because of everything that's happened beforehand but what happened beforehand wasn't good enough as a movie in itself like it needed something else going on I mean, so that I it could stand on its own not just as the leader it's those, there's plenty of those movies where you have to sit through 45 minutes of nothing before you get to the, like, the bit you're right. actually there for but this wasn't 45 minutes of nothing but it, no it wasn't but it just wasn't quite it wasn't quite right but you see for me although I know what you're saying right um, there were a couple of legitimate kills at the beginning towards the beginning yeah, where we the... were both like Oh yeah, <laughs> where, where it was genuinely you know yeah, when, like, when, he, the van, when the van. he breaks the orderlies back, you're pretty much. But, like, but, but that's the beauty of it. The, 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 those when things he are the there. guy in the face. Yeah, because the, those guys. But then there's that bit. There's but, the, but but let me just say. Sorry, I'm sorry. The thing that carries me through the rest of it, which is fairly bloodless, is in particular Landau's performance. Yeah, because he was really occasional good. That when he shows up at the door where the wife answers the door and he's pretending to be a telegram That guy. was great. That was that really was creepy. The bit where he's like laughing out of the window really is, creepy. is insanely creepy. The bit where he was like, Aah! like I forget what bit that was, but like at one point he went full Yeah, you're right. It was, it was very creepy. He was the best he was thing. Very, yeah, he was. He was very creepy. And Palance is far from playing like I'd always seen Palance as like the grizzled gunslinger, right? Because that's all he played in all the movies that I'd seen. Yeah, the guy in the black hat, basically. Right. Uh, and even in, you know, City Slickers or Cops and Robertsons, like that's the the, the um, joke he's playing on. That's the persona he's right. He's playing on. Uh, uh, you know, he's basically doing Clint Eastwood. And um, in this, he shows really surprising range. Yeah, he does. I don't know why I'm surprised about it. Maybe I need to watch more Palance. He does a lot of... What's, what's great about it, and maybe we do need to watch more Palance, but he does a lot with his deeply strange, weird skull face. Like, uh, he doesn't say that much of them, the psychopaths. 
and then he's just about to leave um, and just as he's about to leave Jack Platt's like, like shouts Doctor whatever his name is like really really loudly and then they turn and they look at him and then for like what a minute he says nothing but he's he tries trying to, to his... say something yeah he tries to settle his face he tries to his settle emotions. his um, anger yeah no I don't think it's I think he's crying out to the doctor for some reason right? but we don't know what it is and he is trying to calm himself and settle himself and figure out but then clearly given what we know of the rest of the movie he's not trying to settle himself although what he ends up saying is like meant to be like friendly and but there's all these crazy things going on in his face that we now know is him deciding right I know you you killed the last doctor I'm having it I'm coming after you no matter what it takes right. you're dead right. all in the going on in his head but then but I can't let you know that right now because obviously you locked me up so I better think of something nice to say to put you at your ease and all these things are happening and all the time his face, his face doesn't his, stop moving and he's tiny and he's given his like plan all the time yeah 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 like him going up to the window because they have again with the electric security system which is just idiotic um, and that's that's what I mean about plot holes right is there's an easy fix to that which is we'll just put locks on the doors or whatever it is uh, right but like they seem to have written like uh, it's all controlled by electricity let's just glaze over it and move I on I think it's supposed to be I, I can only guess right but sometimes especially in a movie like this I um, just realised Phil Collins is playing oh thank god <laughs> um, sometimes in a movie like this you know, your writer or your director or whoever, or in this case, I feel like the writer. The writer director is the same guy. Oh, fine, okay, fine. So there we go. Um, was more concerned with other things. I think he was. I yeah, think he was course. concerned with, like, the whole. This whole movie is about like mental illness and mental health and what it is to be mad and the line and all the rest of it. And in quite an interesting way, because as I say, and I, I want to come back to it in a minute about what I think was going on with that with that section of it. But I think the. <laughs> He needs a MacGuffin, right? He needs something. Right. That's what he's interested in. So he's interested in getting the lunatics out into the world. But no, I was talking about Palance's hands because the the, hands up. No, no, but the the one thing that the guy says that the only thing that that Pleasance keeps saying is that he's most worried about how the world will affect them. He's less worried about how they're going to affect the world and more about how the world will affect them. And that's not really like alluded to, except right, you know, in the final shot. Right. but um, I think the nuclear... I think the, the electric... The ending of this movie is deeply weird. But kind of cool. But the electric locks thing, illustrating this thing about nuclear power. Like, clearly the guy doesn't like nuclear power. Right, right, right. And I think it's supposed to be some comment on... Right. If you put your faith in nothing but one thing, or nuclear power, or electricity, or technology, or whatever, if you put your faith in one thing, it's going to bite you, right. or whatever. But that's, I think, the comment it's, there. The weird thing is, it's a it's a very, very cool movie, without necessarily delivering on that all the time. No, it doesn't. You really have to sit through that first 45 minutes, thinking... I'm kind of creeped out and it's kind of weird and I'm sort of compelled to, by, by the three of them. To give them the benefit of the doubt, considering certain sequences weren't in the film, clearly due to them being expensive sequences, I think this is one of those occasions where you're like, I have this budget, where do I put it? Right? Yeah. So just like he goes, okay... So I have Palance. I have Palance's name on the marquee, right? 
but I only have them for two days. Two days out of, or one day out of the mental home and one day at the New England home, right? So what can I use him for? Where am I best placing him? It feels like that he is making those decisions quite consciously with the budget of the movie. So he's like, okay, we have to show the looting and pillaging, but we can't set the whole movie on the night when everyone is looting and pillaging because we just don't have the money to take over a town and set fire to it and you know, right. have people running around and blah, 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 blah. We don't have money for police cars. We don't have money for extras. Or the protest because a, a protest, protest is... is you right. can end up with eight people waving signs. Because in, like, in looting, you can have like just one or two people crossing across the camera and right. it looks like and it a looting And it could be your thing. crew as far as anyone cares. Right, but protesters, if you get any anything less than 100, it's going to look shit. Right. And then you have to have state, because she says, oh, the state troopers are going to be there and yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so there's a lot sick. there. There's like police cars and whatever. They've got this New England home, which they don't exactly trash, but they break a few windows and they knock a few things over. Like they, you know, so there's certain costs there that they have to do and they'll have to repair certain things when they're doing that. They've got a bunch of cars which are sort of uh, uh, used, um, not quite wrecked, but, but you know, so I think it's one of those things where it's like the budget feels very judiciously juggled with right. so in other words okay we have pleasance for this bit is this all we need pleasance for can we put everything we need uh, pleasance to do in this bit you know what I mean like how many times and and you saw it as well with the shot of the corridor that was used three or four times that, that Dutch dangled shot that he used the corridor was clearly like one shot they did film the guys coming down the corridor yeah, da, 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 that was then edited into three different things yeah to make right, it like, right at the end the, when Palance goes into the club the shot of the two people walking into the club was the same shot that they right. used before and not only that but when he goes into the club all the same people the same music the same setup everything yeah, is happening yeah, yeah, even yeah. though technically it's like two nights later right because the night that the, the, the band are playing, when the lights go out, is like the first night. And then we have another night right, and day and another right, night right, and day right, before he yeah. goes back no, to the you're club. You're quite right, you're quite right. So, like, I think it's... it's, it's uh, also, I don't know if this is the first time, like, Shay made a movie like by himself, for himself kind of thing. Um, but maybe they only had, like, a... If, if, that's, the, his, if that's the case... Right, as in they've only, they've only got a small budget right and they're not making you, you can do one of two things if you've got a tiny budget right and you're making a horror movie you either you hit every fucking trope and cliche that you can with as much gusto as you can right you know because we want to you know, fill up the seats here and we've only got a little bit of money so if we're going to make something we're going to get these people together let's do something but clearly there's more of an idea there. if, yeah, if you're, if you're going to get what is interesting is the reason that Palance Landau and Pleasance are in this movie is they're all playing really juicy parts right Pleasance is having fun in a totally different way he's being this um, like he's uh, a far out you know hippie professor type while at the same time not being a little awkward and a little weird yeah and yeah, a little weird a little awkward but not daft like no. there's a feeling of like that that all this airy fairy stuff is tied to something very strong inside like right. it's all born out of a very deep belief that these people are troubled and need to be rescued and he's not ever going to budge on that you know and it's not like yeah man because we're all great we're all one it's like we're all people we're all crazy right and it's and it, but he gets to have fun he gets to have a few jokes and the pipe was probably his idea and you know like it's like you can get pleasance on board with that character similarly Landau's like right you know Landau's although weirdly 
like Sutherland, Donald Sutherland would have been a much better casting for like the mad hippie, uh, um, uh, you know, owner of a. Right, right, but that's my like, point. Is that if but he... Pleasance, the reason why Pleasance is such a, ju- a juicy addition to the cast, I think, is because of the Loomis. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, of baggage. course. But but that's why. But again, you're playing playing with the conventions. You're playing against right, type. Right. If you were if you were making the let's hit the genres, let's hit the tropes, you'd get Sutherland in to be right. that guy, and you'd have him play it up, and it would be there'd be no core to him. Right. But Pleasance brings belief, you know, and I know what the, like everything For that happens horror. in Halloween is like doesn't matter how crazy it gets. I know you know what it is we're going to have to do now. You know, there's the, his character is all about yeah belief. Authority, well, that's one of the reasons say. I love the franchise. I don't love the franchise because of Michael Myers. I love the franchise because, because of Pleasance. Right, of right, Pleasance. Right. And because Pleasance is essentially Helsing to Michael Myers' Dracula at right. a certain point in that series. And I, they could have made 50 of those movies and I would never have got right. the ball. But then, so you've got, so you can get Pleasance on board with that. You can get Landau on board with his like troubled character. Also, the weird thing about Landau is, is, is Landau is, again, someone who tends to play reserve. I mean, yeah. Lando tends to be reserved. Yeah, he totally cuts loose. But it's always a, his reserve is always like a vaguely, he's always vaguely panicked. Right. From a little bit under the surface, like only just holding it together. Right. And this is Lando not even trying to hold it together, reveling in not holding it together. Yeah. And if you're an actor who your shtick is, I'm just about holding it together under the surface. Right. To be able to play a character who enjoys not holding it together, yeah. who thrills in not holding it together, that would be a really interesting challenge. And for Plants, you get Plants, you go, listen, you don't have many lines, you know, but you are the driving, right. you know, you are the narrative drive. Everything happens because you want it to happen. And the nice thing I have to say is that through this discussion, although I brought it up a couple of times, the, you know the film must be a, a, a decent one because we're not sat, we could have sat here, like we right. did with, with the, the previous sort of shocking movies we've seen where like the plot holes or the hairstyles or the clothes or some mad set piece or whatever it is has given us a cause to to be a bit flippant about the movie neither of us are being flippant about this film no at all like there's a lot going on and I'm actually forgiving it a ton based on its budget based on uh, when it was made based ba- on how based on the end based on based on the ending because if you stick with it unlike movies that start well there's a lot of horror movies that start well and end badly. And there's right. a lot of movies that's like, yeah, 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 look, we just need to get the people into the place where the set pieces are going to happen right. and you've all paid for it. But this one, once you get to the end, everything that happens in the end and everything that's satisfying about what happens in the end entirely depends on the setup proceeding. And so you do forgive it an awful lot. Although I've just had a thought. That whole sequence with them in the panel van like going off the milkman which is by far the silliest <laughs> sequence in the movie yeah you're right it does look like the dream team is only in the movie so that he can get a hat that looks a bit like a postman's hat and show up at the house later like when he shows up at the house later Landau wearing that ridiculous hat with like that's the other thing Landau Pleasance and Palance three of the weirdest looking people to have ever existed right. and to have them all in the movie is just hilarious but to have um, Landau show up, like in this kind of, he's wearing like this mortician suit throughout like the whole thing, like this thick black, I mean preacher suit, I guess, but like a thick black suit with the white shirt. And he's just got this like cap that he's like put on top of his ridiculous hair, which looks like it's trying to escape his face. Um, 
there's something deeply troubling when he then shows up at the house and he's very still and very sentry and very kind of But I think that's... That's a part of... Whereas throughout the rest of the movie, he's all giggles but, uh, and eye see, rolls it's, and... It's all about, like, plants give the role a lot of depth. Right. And it doesn't even need to come across in, like, on the screen or in the lines or actually what they the audience sees. Doing something worth right. right. Whereas Palance is about... Clearly, that whole sequence of running over the postman and ladder is like, this is Palance's plan. Palance has a plan for getting the doctor. And he sees the guy on the on the on the bike and says, "That's what we need." He even says something like that. No, we need the hat. We need the hat. No, no, he doesn't say the hat specifically. He says, "That's what we need." And it's unclear as to mean the postman or the bike. But or Landau what. says something about the hat. No, someone no, someone says something about. No, the hat. Landau gets gets the hat later. No, but someone says, "I that hat. I want that hat." Someone says that. Later. Oh, it might be. It might. Yeah, it might, yeah you're right. It was I think Palance. it was off screen. I don't think we saw them. Yeah, say but, it, yeah, you're but, right. But, but, but it was Palance. But he was. So that's Palance's plan, is to get the hat, send Landau up. <laughs> we'll find... Well, th- this is what's hilarious, right? Because they steal the paddle van the night before, right? right. They kill a guy. They what they the have done van. in the meantime... Well, you know, they've driven around looking for a postman. <laughs> that's what they've done. <laughs> Probably. That. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because it's not like the next day they go, oh, my God, they went on a murder spree. They still only killed three people by the time but they it, it, it seems to be all about... And nobody, at any point... Like, Pleasance goes, oh, they're going to shut the place down or whatever. Like, this has all failed. But nobody, nobody gets angry with them. Nobody at any point goes, they killed three people. <laughs> no, um, Schultz does, to be fair. Yeah, in, in a scene that immediately cuts away. Yeah, and then later on she goes, oh, I felt a lot of hostility from him. Like, it was his problem <laughs> for getting angry that their shoggy security had essentially led to three people being murdered. I liked how all the actual plot devices were in throwaway scenes. No one was paying. Yeah, it was very. It was. It was very weird. But I, I will definitely watch this again. I got a huge kick. I, I, I have to say, and I would definitely recommend. What I like, what I liked about it the most, was the idea that there was the Pleasanton's ideas weren't ridiculed or thrown away. Right. That in fact. he had reached. These well, that's because there were no cops, and the few cops there were were having dinner. <laughs> yeah, they were like thinking about donuts or buying another. But they were all of them. Because <laughs> the the child molester turning up and not doing anything to the kids suggests right. to me that to some degree, Pleasance must must have reached him. Right. Although I wonder whether like Palance's authority, i.e., no, we're going to wait for the plan. Although that's never even alluded to. But there's some combination, it seems, of. Palance's authority and we have a mission and Loomis also Palance doesn't seem repulsed because earlier in the movie when he's telling Schultz what their deals are you know he says very flippantly like his deal is molesting little girls like he doesn't he doesn't go and I'm against that or show any remorse like uh, show any pains to that because I mean you could have had yeah. he was repulsed by it. and like even when he talks about the fact that Lando is an arsonist who burns down churches with people in he goes you know, he tends to burn down churches. Trouble is, people are in them at the time, or whatever. Yeah. Like, he says it more as a joke rather than no, as No, you're right, you're right. I'm repulsed by so, it. So, it, so, so therefore, like suggests that the only one that he doesn't reach, because even, um, uh, well, we can't talk about that. From now on, there are spoilers. Yes, I thought you ought to know. So I'm telling you, it seemed like the right thing to do. Because from now on in the show, there are spoilers, don't you know? So you better embrace the spoilers or go and watch 
the film Yes, embrace the spoilers Or go and watch the film And listen to the end of the show Because at the end of the show There are spoilers There are spoilers We know, oh yes there's a massive twist in the movie, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Watch the film. Although, unfortunately, the fact that we said there's a twist. No, that's not going to tell. That's not going to make them. I did not see it coming. No, I didn't either. I and did it was not really good. He was about to go. Coming. He was about to come down the side with next to be going. I did not see that coming. That's amazing. What a great twist. And no, no, and I tell you why it was a great twist. It's because the introduction of uh, the the uh, character in jail. And this is another thing where they're flouting convention. The introduction of that character, in other words, the big, stocky, big chinned, he'd be good in a fight character. Right. Makes sense in the movie. Yes, it does. Because you've got the sister who likes him. Because you expect Schultz to be all, oh no, we weak should try and shitty, and, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like yeah. weak and academic, and he's not. Schultz is quite action heavy in terms of like what he's he doing. He actually responds but, appropriately right, he does. to what's happened. Yeah. But the introduction of the uh, uh, plaid shirt, muscle-bound guy makes sense because you're like, ah, yes, you need that guy in the siege at the end of the movie. Like, this doesn't seem too much of a stretch to put him in the mix. Right, 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 right. And in fact, to some extent, and the nice flip on it, is that you're settled by his presence, not Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's a good point. That's a very so good point. It's a great magic trick because the, the movie is going, look over here, look over here, look over here, feel calm, muscle guy is there. He's your hero, he's your hero. Right? Right. And you totally buy it when, in fact... Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And it was even a bit, that whole... Because, again, if I thought it as an intention there, that whole sequence where the sister sees the zombie in the window, is like, oh, she's seeing things. So when it first happens, the thing... Right. I thought, oh, there she's just seeing something. Is she, is, is she seeing something? Are we being faked out again? Right, like, right, there's right. been so many fake again. There's been so many fake outs. You're thinking, are we being faked out again? Wife shines the torch on them, and she's doing that and tasting. Is this real? Is this real blood? And then you realise it's really happening. That's when it. It, was, it wasn't even just like a short, sharp, ta-da shock. It was like a. Way no, could it? Way maybe? Oh, you know, kind of yeah, really dragging it out. There was really a real nice filter. Yeah, there really was, and it was all about the again. You know, that would be in the writing. To and proper to, like the, the 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 violence in it is proper gruesome. Yeah, really gruesome. And I, but not but not gory, not gory, just gruesome. Just gruesome, like them them embedding that enormous cleaver into the back of the fat guy, and then like repeatedly. Hammering it into, hammering his, into spine his spine with, with a baseball, baseball bat, yeah. And then when he finally falls over, you see it's embedded into his back yeah, as yeah, far yeah, as yeah. it will go. That was really. And there was a little girl that, sick. that when he came sliced charging in, leg. she uh, knelt down and sliced his legs and he fell over. She heard him running. Yeah. It's yeah. very. There's lots of very cool. And then uh, the bit where. <laughs> the bit where the car. And the hat was harpooned to the tree. And they just leave him out there. I just thought it was awesome. They leave him out there. And the thing is, if they, like, the standard, because he goes, oh no, I should get out there, I should get out there. And then they talk him out of it. And you're thinking, yeah, of course, look, he's harpooned to a tree. It's over for him. Right. 
if you go out there, you will also be dead. And he does. He just leaves him out. But it's oh, the ending is so. The ending is so weird, but open-ended, and I think awesome. I think the idea is that because he's not better. It's not like he's, no, he's not better. But I think I think the idea is that um, Pleasance was really worried about how the world would affect them, right? As in, the world would be too much for them; it would overwhelm them. They would, and it would drive them to more madness. And Palance finds a place in that world where people deliberately take themselves to that place of madness and horror and being slightly disconnected from reality in order to help cope with the world. So when Palance walks in there, a man who is, as it were, an expert in being insane in order to deal with the world like his only right. way of dealing with the world is to be insane like that's that's it whatever, because whatever he's whatever he is is obviously to do with what he's seen and what he's done like he's been in the army he's been in the war he was a prisoner of war so things that have been done to him things that he's done things the world has done to him his only recourse his only way of dealing with him is to go insane Right, and he goes into that club and the glorifying that, reveling in it, because it's their only way of dealing with whatever the pressures and madnesses of their lives and the world really are. So when Palance walks in, he's like, he's there, you know, he belongs there, like he's really doing it, you know, he's really dealing with the insanity of the world by being really insane, and that's why she laughs. And I can't remember what she says to him, like you're really doing it, or that's really you're really here, or something like that. And Palance looks happy. He doesn't look like I'm going to be insane and start murdering people. He looks happy. And if there's one thing we've learned, it's like you can trust Palance's face. Like he's not, you know, that whole sequence of him spending a minute trying to compose his features to say something that he thinks will be non threatening. He's not a man that's good at covering up what he's thinking. So it I think was, that's what's going on in there. And end, what's though. weird about it is like just you saying all that instantly makes it a better movie. Yeah, well, everything. As soon as... There's, no, you're right. There's real intention behind the film, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, really. As soon as the police officer gets nailed to the tree, and and um, I keep wanting to say cage because Schultz is so cagey in it, um, and Schultz doesn't go out there, that was like the first bit of the film where I thought, wow, that's, oh. that's genuinely really interesting. And, we didn't go out there. For and it. the fact that when the little girl gives the mother the knife at the end of the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of... Which, by the way, is preceded by a bunch of people killing people as if, as if it was nothing. Which is what happens in slasher movies all the time. Uh, Regular schmoes like you and me, you know, take arms against like mad, crazy people and like have no problem battering them about or stabbing them. Which, you know, even if someone was coming at me, I'd have to think two or three times before uh, uh, I actually uh, uh, fucking being able to punch, let punch someone, let alone stab someone. And there's a really interesting thing uh, that happens to that sequence where they give the mum the knife and they're like just and he's strangling the, the, the sister and they're like just to, to do it like stab him stab him stab him and she has to like think two or three times before yeah she's it. nervous and because she's scared and then what, what's cool about it is it's not the thing she doesn't bring the knife up and stab no, down no 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 she doesn't like hit him with something she, all she has to do like it's very little she has to do she just has to put the knife 
into his side, it, that's an, it. As an that's audience all she member, has to do, yeah. you're immediately placed in her dilemma. Right. Because it's such a small thing. And then when she does it, he's down. That's Cause it. Because in, he's not a suit. He's got a knife in the stomach and that's right. it. He's done. It's normally in nice. an action movie or, or a, a, a horror movie, uh, people dispatch people or beat people up or stab them, whatever, right, left, right, right, right. center. No, you're right. It's a big, it's a big moment. It's very cool. So it's having had a history of, well, this is what happens in slasher movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Because you immediately assume, okay, well, you know, this is what's going to happen. And it's always, you're always wrong. Yeah. It's very, very good. It's just that... You have to sit through 45 minutes of, where's this going? Like, I don't know where this is going. No, but there's you know plenty I mean? of enjoyable stuff in there. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's stuff in there. But I was I was on the verge of being bored in the first five minutes. No, the, I wasn't. The, I was only, very the, the only bit I would take out, apart from maybe the postman bit, although that's at least funny, the one bit I would take out is the jump scare with a spoon. Yeah, the that's jump scare with a spoon. But I wonder if that wasn't a joke. In the context of everything else we now know about the movie... Right. Well, we're hypothesising. We're hypothesising about the movie. Although I suspect there's enough evidence to back us up. Right. Because they were obviously deliberate We didn't choices. watch the commentary or the interview, but no. I will do that. Okay, we'll do because I'd be interested to know. But my, my guess is that there's, there's too many deliberate choices... Right, right, right. ...that add up to intent. But her... Also, I have to say, the wife as an actress from the very beginning was really good. Yeah, that's true. She had a I nice line had a in really believable nice... hysteria. No, no, no. I don't just mean that. I mean, there was a really interesting bit where the sister shows up and the sister's immediately babbling about, oh, we're going to go see this band and this music and I'm really into music now and blah, 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 blah. And the mum's like, can we just can we just go inside? Like that. And then the sister goes, oh, I'm sorry, I was just excited. And and then the actress went, oh, no, no, it's, it's fine. Let's just go inside and, like, be excited. The way she did that was so realistic and believable like the line delivery it, it, it didn't seem stilted it didn't seem like an actor it seemed like genuine I, said, and I actually they, really like that I thought she was actually a really good when, when we talk about it I'd like to because I, I, I wonder if one of the reasons I was having trouble with it for those 45 minutes is because I was a little bit adrift like right. there weren't tropes and things to make me go okay well this is where we're going right and there wasn't enough that I was like sucked into all this, you know, crazy new world. It was my I don't quite know what's going on. But you're right, there was they were things very like that. brave that though to let some sequences just play. Yeah. Yeah. But then they had to cut other sequences for time and for money. Yeah. It was once you get to the end of the movie you think, I'm really glad I watched that movie because there was a lot going on there. And I I wanted us, as soon as it was over, I said, let's not talk about it. Right. At all. Because I wanted us to sit down and talk about it over the you know while we were recording it because right. I didn't I didn't think there was a lot of remember that hilarious bit where the thing you know it no. was like if we're going to get anything out of this it's going to be you and me sitting down and figuring out did we like that one right you know what I mean because at the end of it it was like I think I really liked that but I'm not sure because it's not for so long I didn't think I did your reaction to the movie takes place uh, mainly in the brain yeah like you're always trying to like figure it out so like with the the drama letter sequence or with the um uh, sequence with the girl on the bed or w- whatever the sequence was you know what it was playing into was like more so than almost any other slasher i've seen was like playing into your fears what you would do blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, i can't yeah, yeah. tell you the last time i watched a horror movie and had that like run to the door reaction yeah you know a lot of people talk about watching horror movies 
And when the woman runs upstairs to the, the, the attic or runs downstairs to the basement, basement, people are shouting at the screen like, just run out the front door. I never do that. Like, I never get that involved. Like, I tend to watch horror movies a bit like action movies, that they're kind of cathartic. They're kind of like, right. just, they're fun to watch. There's a lot of dozy stuff going to happen. There's going to be some great set pieces. Bosh some sound, like good music on the soundtrack and away we go. This was one of the first movies in a long time that I was genuinely like, oh, Matt, like, I don't know what they're going to show me here. Like, I don't know, because we didn't know how violent it was going to be. And then he, like, broke the orderly's back and you saw, like, his spine, like, snap and then yeah, he and sort it, of, like, crumpled up. Yeah, the, the crumpled up body was And it wasn't gore, but you were like, it okay, was very troubling. That's kind there of was a lot of things happening. But like, then, even though I'm like bits of it are boring, bits of it are also really troubling. Right. And no matter how like boring the boring bits are, that troubling bit is still running underneath them because right. obviously that's going to happen again, only much much worse. Right. It's only going to get worse as the movie goes on. But it was, it was. I tell you why it's successful for me, and I've been saying this a lot lately. Um, because I'm realising again what it is I love about well-crafted films. And that is tension and suspense. Because yeah, so many horror movies now are, boom, jump scare, boom, yeah, jump scare, yeah. boom. And you're like, oh, you know, like the cat or the person coming in yeah, with a yeah. spoon or whatever. Oh, oh, are you in a bathroom with a mirrored cabinet? What's going to happen when you shut the door? Yeah, right. And I'm sick and tired of that because that's not... Like, that's just a House of Horrors thing. That's just, like, sit on a, a go-kart and be pushed around until uh, you, you go past the thing. Which that has its place. Out. It's just, you're right. There's something but I was, something, to be, there's something to be said for, like... And I've, I've said this on several uh, uh, shows recently, but I, I watched Wrath of Khan again recently, and I'm not going to labour the point, but the genius of Wrath of Khan is not in the special effects, it's not in the whiz-bangery, it's in... The tension that is built up over that last 45 minutes of the movie, using just the script and and the performances of of, of, uh, of Shatner and Montalban, because once they enter the electrical field at the end, it's a slow-moving game of cat and mouse. It's a chess game. It's like fire only when we can see him for the fraction of a second. Like it's it's completely and utterly like you're at the mercy of it. But the only reason that's tense is not because... I mean, yes, the music helps and all the rest of it, the direction, whatever. But the reason why that's tense is because the script up until that point has been so, like, goddamn good and so interesting and yeah. so, like, on point and you're so, you're so on the edge of your seat that everything's happening. Like, I've seen that movie a hundred times and the emotional beats, the tense beats, everything still hit. And this was one of the first horror movies that I've sat down and watched in a long time. I was invested in the yeah, that's fair. In the scenario. I was worried about what was going to happen because they were very unpredictable characters. What, right. What was so cool? And not about, necessarily because they'd set up the the quote unquote normal so well, but because they'd set up the threat of yeah, of because they, because they were so because you you didn't know what their agenda was you couldn't un- what was great was you couldn't understand their agenda either it wasn't like a Michael Myers oh well you know he's just a monster he just can't so right. it's like okay well there's no there's no out thinking this guy there's right. no like Freddy oh well he was killed so now he's going on the joy it's just like a revenge thing this is like well like there's not there's none of that Stephen King thing of oh well there's a you know, there's a mythology here. Or the and, real uh, monster is man, or whatever. No, no, no but like, in, in, okay, take, take Stephen King horror movies, for example. 
Stephen King horror movies are all about like creating a mythology for like American horror. Like he's basically right, right, saying, right. well, America's got a history, so let's give it a history. Let's give it a mythology. So all the monsters have to follow a mythology. So you defeat the monster by you discover what the mythology is. You follow the mythology. Monster defeated. End. But in this one, it's like we. Their plan is mad. Like, it's a mad, like, oh, well, you killed the doctor, so we're going to kill you. And it's like, well, there's no reasoning with that. Like, there's a bit where he goes, even if I could reason with them, you know, they'll just, they'll be able to explain it away. Like, even if they saw his face or spoke to him on the phone, they'd be able to explain that away because it's all about keeping their fantasy intact. Right. So it's a really scary thing to be a victim of because there's nothing you can do about it. You can't talk them out of it. Or like, oh, well, as long as I, you know, rub my elbow up and down its back three times while chanting, then, you know, and then it'll be sucked back into the portal from whence it came. There's none of that stuff. It's like, well, how, how do you do that? And it's not like, oh, well, he's a monster, so we're all going to die except for one character who's just about going to get away at the end. Like, so we're, the audience feels safe in that because, you know, we know what's going to happen. But this right. is like, we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what the collateral damage is going to be. It's already been pretty significant. So we don't know where it's going to go or what they're going to do. And that's genuinely scary. When you don't know what characters and movies are going to do, which is very fucking rare these days. Right. You know, I can't think of the last time I watched a a movie where I wasn't I didn't have a, a pretty good inkling of what the characters were going to do right you know and this yeah, one yeah, I had yeah. no idea which put us on do. edge which made us tense which you know um, and therefore it might not play as well a second time you know what I mean it might because, but equally it might play better because it might well except might, that whole sequence where we didn't know if we were going to see something wrong we would now know we were not going to see no that's true but on the other hand I think that the the, the parts of it that bored us I, or at least bored me or nearly bored me I don't think they would a second time. So I, there might be, you, you, you could be right. It might not be get better or be any good the second time around, but I think it might be. But I, I really enjoyed it. Right, and which is where, funny to. enough, the other way round, right, because it plays on your expectations, this movie, the first time you watch it, it's awesome because it's playing on all the expectations you've been built up having watched horror movies for years and not in an ironic let's point this out way like Scream but just in a way where we've written it into the script that these are your it's not a supernatural thing all the things we've been talking about anyway the reason why uh, Halloween Friday the 13th Nightmare on Street blah 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 have the rewatchability factor is because it's not um because it's not you already understand that your expectations are going to be met right so you're watching it in the same way that you want to eat a candy bar or a chocolate bar or whatever because you're like well I like Milky Way so I'm going to buy Milky Way and I'm going to eat it I like Halloween so I'm going to sit down and watch it and yeah I'll be entertained because it's entertaining but I'm like I say I, when I watch Halloween now which scared me the first six times I watched it Halloween was like one of the scariest movies I've ever seen it's nice brooding tension there's like plenty of sequences where you don't know what's going to happen and there's some great chase stuff and you know uh, Michael Myers is genuinely terrifying and the way Carpenter directs and everything else now when I watch it I'm watching it like I say for Loomis I'm watching it for Jamie Lee Curtis's performance I'm watching it for the cinematography like I'm getting entertained by other things I'm not sure that those things, apart from maybe like Landau's performance or like Polanski's performance, no, I see performance, what you're saying. Yeah, there isn't necessarily the reason to to revisit this in, in in the same way and get the same thrills out of it. Now, I'll revisit it again for the performances, but uh, I wonder if the 
twist, the tension, any of those things that we're so uh, enamored Yeah, that's now, true. Would really play. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying actually is that maybe if... I agree that the things that happened in the second part of the movie would suffer from... Well, not suffer, but wouldn't be as good on a rewatch. But I'd be curious to see if what happened in the first half of the movie would be better knowing what's right. coming. Because I suspect maybe it would. But much more than that, I don't know. There's still plenty to entertain Yeah. for, for a rewatch, but it would never ever, it'll never be as good as it was tonight. No, that's true. So we should, we should just enjoy that. Yeah, I, I am enjoying it. Thank you very much. For Thank joining you. us in the After Movie Diner. Thanks, man. not boring a laundry oh a book club 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.